See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Snap is back to Hoyer, throwing open. Howard breaks a tackle, 15-10, five, ends up, touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as Stop, Wait, fake. Cutler sidestep to the pocket, avoiding pressure. Now winds up throwing deep down the right side. Going for Jeffrey. He makes the catch inside the 10-yard line. Down near the five. Throw it up and get it. Jeffrey did. Jeffrey outleaps him 49 yards. Bears Hour live with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philitoshin. Whitney, as always, are the super fans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. You are listening to Lauren Cox and Philitotion coming to you after the Chicago Bears win over the San Francisco 49ers. That is win number three of the season. It was not necessarily a very pretty game, Phil, but... Jordan Howard got the job done on the ground. They didn't abandon the run at all in this game, which was encouraging to see. They they kept coming back to him. Matt Barkley played a good game for the most part. Obviously, the uh, conditions made it a little bit difficult for him to get too much going in the passing game, but all in all, he did a good job of, of doing enough to get first downs and to put this team in position to hand it off to Jordan Howard for three touchdowns, a, a big historic performance, the first Bears rookie running back to score three touchdowns in a game since Gale Sayers back in 1965 on that miraculous six-touchdown game. Obviously, Jordan Howard is not quite to that level yet, but he's he's well on his way. Uh, Phil, is is the offense the story of the, of this win for you, or, or do you, do you look at the defensive side of the ball? What a guy like Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd were able to do today. You know, with the weather, the offensive line. Um, there's so many stories inside the story here that I think that the Chicago Bears kind of fell into victory today. I know that's not a popular choice, but it looked like early on two teams that were just tanking the absolute effort and the opportunity to win. And it was nice to see, Lauren, the passion and fire in the belly of the Bears kind of rise to the top and absolutely put and close the door on what is, as I said, an awful football team in San Francisco. As you saw Colin Kaepernick get pulled out of the game, Lauren, because ultimately he just couldn't do anything. He was not into this football game. So I kind of look at it twofold. Yes, you know, it's good to see young players getting an opportunity and, and becoming you know, more confident as they're, you know, groomed. I thought Kwiatkowski was another guy you didn't you didn't mention. Really showcases, you know, building blocks for the future because let's be honest, this is John Fox's fourth win at home ever over the course of his two years coaching this football team. Wow. This is not a well coached football team. Almost got out of what it was to do to win the the, the recipe, as me and uh, colleague Jose Ponch Dos Pesos Cotto talked about in our preview show, Lauren, needed to have Jordan Howard dragging his tongue and eventually 
you know, after as the game ended and eventually they got back to that recipe and you see what it's able to do, it's be able to open up the passing game. But I know I'm giving you the long answer, but the reality is, yes, it's nice to see some of these players that you really feel like are building blocks for the future step up and get an opportunity to play. Yeah, well, in in, in the meantime, we got plenty of Deontay Thompson at wide receiver. Uh, he led uh, – no, he was one snap behind Cameron Meredith for the lead among wide receivers in this game. We saw plenty of Logan Paulson. He had 39 snaps to Daniel Brown's 29 and Brent Barnaker's 30. Uh, we saw 12 snaps of Paul Asike. I believe that is a season high for the fullback extraordinaire. No, that is not. Week one was a season high. But second most <laughs> snaps of the year for the for the fullback. And, and a even, kick return for him. Yeah, oh yeah, and his yeah, first kick return, I believe, uh, came came as a chart, but at least he held on to it, unlike Deontay Thompson, who fumbled that one in the in the second quarter. And and you even look on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we 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 saw a lot of Cornelius Washington. I thought he had a great game, although you know, with Jonathan Bullard out, Mitch Unrein roared, you know, kind of put his ugly head back out there, and that didn't necessarily go you know any better than it had for the rest of the season. I would like to see maybe some more of C.J. Wilson. He's kind of been a guy that gets a couple mm-hmm. snaps here and there, but. You know, you know what you have with Mitch Unrein. You don't know what you have with C.J. Wilson, and maybe he's not in full football shape, or maybe he doesn't know all the calls or something yet, and he's not ready to be out there for more snaps. But he played four all game. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of rotation outside of the Washington Mitch Unrein swap at defensive end, and, and Eddie Goldman coming out in some of those nickel situations. But defensively, it was a lot of just you know Quitkowski, Timu, Young, Floyd, with a little bit of you know McPhee in there and Sam Macho, and you know, secondary stayed largely the same until. Uh, LeBlanc left with that injury, and Demontre Hurst came in. But, you know, sort of the usual suspects, the guys that you were expecting to see come out and play well, they they did, and I think that's what you can expect when you play the second-worst team in the NFL. And and I want to I want to kind of transition this over to Matt Barkley. I mean, he had a, another solid game, and sort of the question becomes, is he the quarterback of the – you know, maybe not the quarterback of the future, but has he now through five quarters of great play, three quarters of the first three quarters against Tennessee, you know, shaky – has he showed you enough? I guess what has he showed you at this point? I think he shows you the the hope that this guy can continue to work his tail off to become a competent piece of the competition at backup. Or, you know, I'm never going to sell anybody short that's throwing NFL balls, dime balls, as I like to call them all the time. You know, it's really obvious to me that the kid has uh, anticipatory passing talent. And what that is, he anticipates the opening. He anticipates the deep ball and places it in a position that's a catchable football for players to catch. You can't overlook that, Barkley or not, coming in late. I know a lot of people... uh, are kind of counting him out. I really wanted to see how he played today against a shitty team that clearly was in a snowy atmosphere and was not playing their hardest. Do you, you know, some people say, well, that's easy, Phil. That That's easy. You know, he, he was given an you know, a easy opportunity to be successful. Well, he really wasn't because the weather conditions and his offensive coordinators as smart as a box of rocks so you ultimately are battling two defenses in a sense because he's putting you in positions where 
you're not going to be as successful as you want. You saw that early on. And then you add to the fact that in all my time in coaching football or playing receiver or playing myself, uh, I've never seen a wide receiver court jump to catch the football more. Lauren, I know it's just baffling to me. (laughs) Josh Bellamy chances the kind of hypocritical stance that John Fox has taken onto him. And I know we're going to talk about that later. I just want to make sure we don't forget the jump ball is, is defined differently in Chicago right now with him out there. But as far as Matt Barkley's concerned, I just feel like there are things that I like right now through two games of him preparing through the week and delivering dime balls. It's just a disappointment that his personnel that he's using is so inept, so to speak. That kind of pushes him up another level and another notch for me analyzing him. Well, you know, I I, I agree in, in that sense that it pushes him up, but at the same time, I, I, I struggle to get too excited about a game like this. I mean, it, uh, there there are individual throws in that game that absolutely you can point to and say, wow, you know, like that 31-yarder down the right sideline, that, that was a really nice throw, and there were a couple underneath ones that he was able to get by coverage. But at the same time, I, I still it's still, for me, uh, uh, needs to see more. And I, I know you're not saying, you know, the jury Absolutely. Out, but, you know, he was he was on he, – there were 20 plays the Bears ran, 20 passing plays the Bears ran. He was, on, he was only under pressure on four of them. He was 0 for 3 with a sack on those four plays. I mean, this is not – he wasn't necessarily being put in a lot of difficult situations in large part because the San Francisco 49ers defense was unable to do that. So, I mean, it's encouraging that, yes – he can run an NFL offense very well when all conditions are well, not all conditions other than the weather are, are right around him. And I mean, <laughs> I was going to you know, say certainly there were other things holding him back. But I mean, you can find a lot of quarterbacks that can be successful, you know, with a clean pocket, with time to throw, and with a strong running game. And and Barkley has proven that he belongs in that conversation, which I think puts him as like you know a top potentially thirty, thirty-five quarterback in this league, which is better than. Better than Brian Hoyer and better than what what you've been seeing at the quarterback position for a lot of this year, and so I, that puts him to me in that backup conversation. But for me to want oh. to take him any farther, I need to see what he does against a good defense, where his, maybe his running game's not going great or his offensive line's not getting him good pressure. Because I think that's what we started to see in the first half against the Tennessee Titans, and that's when he started to crack. And that's what separates him from potentially being more than just a backup quarterback candidate. Well, here you go, Lauren. You have a great opportunity on your hands, albeit if the offensive coordinator and the wide receiver coach aren't walked off a plank, because they should be this week, and how they coach is baffling to me. And Phil, they put up 26 points. Yeah, it's the way that San Francisco 49ers defense played today and the talent there is embarrassing. Uh, If I'm a 49ers fan, I am completely embarrassed. But so your temperature gauge is correct. Now we're going to look at him having an opportunity to go up against divisional opponents. And that is going to be the story of Matt Barkley. We saw him come in off the bench when Brian, six yards out of bounds, Hoyer uh, on the deep got his 
forearm broke it. And then, you know, he wasn't ready, obviously, through two picks, forced the ball. But the thing I see about Matt Barkley is he's putting it in positions to be caught and giving his receivers ability to run after the catch. That doesn't happen in Chicago a lot because of what you're seeing, jumping, falling, trying to make sure you've controlled the catch instead of being a goddamn playmaker, catching the football with confidence because it's your job. You know, there are people listening in right now that make 12 to $30 an hour and are living their lives. These guys, let me put it in perspective, work all week and are making close to $270,000 on a weekend. Okay? That's 50 grand over the next 2 weeks. That's what someone's making in the course of their whole year. So, when people tell me, "Ah, yeah, he dro- he dropped 12 balls last week and this staff brings them back out and tries to what I looked at as they were trying to really sell a confidence game for Josh Bellamy reverses deep balls to Bellamy. I just, I don't get it. So I don't think it's fair to Barkley in that because I thought the deep ball where Bellamy was wide open and he jumped Lauren after uh, Matt Barkley stepped up in the pocket mm-hmm. and kind of bought himself some time. That was a beautiful football. It was perfectly placed. You just run under that and you continue to run into the end zone. No, you got to jump. The other deep ball, the other deep ball, another one perfectly placed down about the 11 yard line. He dives again and slides to the six yard line. These are just walk in touchdowns. At the end of the day, the stat scout looks at Barkley's numbers. Wow, he played well. The stat scout would have even been more impressed had the guys actually did their job. I mean, it's great for my fantasy team because Jordan Howard gets the three touchdowns for me. But the reality is that's not NFL football, and I think it's hard to be fair to Barkley in the assessment when you don't know the tape and you don't understand what you're looking at. And that's why I think Barkley is playing well enough to be talked about coming back and being a part of the future, whether that be the backup is up to him. And I think that's the greatest thing for the bears, because if he goes out and balls out against a team like green Bay, you know, that's fighting the Detroit lions for a playoff, and he's playing like this, then it's you can't overlook what's happening on an NFL stage. And I know it's kind of like double talk because the 49ers are awful and they played awful, but he didn't play down to that. You know what I'm saying? Where past bear players at quarterback have and kind of cave. This guy came back and he's, if you're going to give uh, shout-outs galore to Leonard Floyd, then you better do the same damn thing for Matt Barkley for stepping up and continue to play well. Well, but, Phil, I don't know if you understand that, you know, according to ESPN's Jeff Dickerson, the Bears actually lost by winning against the in-up 49ers. As he said, 
the only conclusion to draw from today's game was that the Bears probably played them out of a top two pick. So really, what happened on the field today was inconsequential. I mean, no one really cared what Jordan Howard and Matt Barkley and Leonard Floyd and Akeem Hicks and Nick Kwiatkowski did today. I mean, that was all just kind of, you know, practically speaking, the Bears lost by winning, according to Jeff Dickerson. So you should probably keep that in mind when you're thinking about this game. Uh, Jeff Dickerson, known jackass. That's what we're going to call him. (laughs) Full-on jackass. Uh, I think it's been said time and time again, quoting Herm Edwards. I know Jose Cotto tweeted it out again. It's the truth. I mean, anyone that's ever put on a, a, a shoulder pads and helmet or has put a whistle on become a coach, where in God's name do you ever come with a philosophy that you play to get a better pick? We play to get a better pick. Where's You know, that philosophy is led by this poor piss poor media in Chicago. It's disgusting. It ran out a franchise quarterback that you had there. Clearly, and we can get into this next, Lauren, uh, the Ryan Pace quotes say to me through the tea leaves that they're turning the page on Jay Cutler. I know you disagree on that. You kind of saw something outside the box on it. I love to hear you talk about that. But for me, I just think they're in a bad marriage, as Jose Cotto was saying. I keep bringing up Jose. Shout out to the the uh, Dos Pesos because he's been hitting them out of the park today. I just think that uh, it's in a bad marriage and they're going to break up. And, and for me, that's dumb business. But again, are we to expect anything more when the signs are pointing to them trying to politically keep John Fox as head coach. Yeah, you know, for for those who don't know what we're talking about, before the game, there was a – I know the Chicago Bears Twitter account put it out there. It was an interview with Jeff Joniak and Ryan Pace. They, they had done it last week too, I believe. It was a similar one. It was a lot of softballs for Ryan Pace. And, you know, that, this one now after Jay Cutler's surgery, Jeff Joniak had asked Pace, you know, about – Jay Cutler's future and, and all that and how the season ended in pace was very sort of tiptoed around it and said, you know, mm-hmm. that's something we're going to evaluate this off season and, you know, we're not going to make any decisions now. We're going to play through these last five games and focus on that and then we'll figure out our quarterback situation this off season. And he's a tough quarterback, Lord. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did say, you know, he's a tough guy and his teammates like him and all that stuff, but he, he wouldn't come. I mean, he wasn't pressed, you know, Joniak wasn't like trying to, wasn't trying to get his, you know, get his scoop, you know, he wasn't pressing made. Ryan, what are you doing in the quarterback position? It was just like I, I, I really get the impression from those interviews that Ryan Pace has gotten the questions ahead of time because of the, the way he gives his answers are very controlled and thought out, and like like he's he knows the questions mm-hmm. ahead of time, and and he's been able to think of an answer for a couple of days before talking to Jeff Joniak. So, prob- I mean, especially considering the Bears account tweets it out, it's probably pretty well pre-set up. But anyway, I and Phil, like you said, you you thought that that was a, a sign that that Jay's going to go, but to me. I mean, first of all, no matter what, Ryan Pace was probably never going to come out and say one way or another, we're moving on from Jay or we're, or we're sticking with Jay. I think he's never been a guy to just at a, at a measly set-up you know, softball interview like that to come out and make any big statements. But to, to me, the fact that he was unwilling to commit either way, to, to the way he kept talking about how you know, we're going to evaluate that this offseason with everything else, 
that to me that comes down to well I don't know who my head coach is going to be and so I'm not going to make a make a decision on my quarterback before I make a decision on my head coach and maybe you know maybe that means he hasn't decided whether he wants to fire John Fox yet or maybe he has decided what he wants to do with Fox and he doesn't know who he's going to hire next but either way if you don't know who the guy is going to be in charge of your franchise next year you absolutely can't make it I mean as a general mentioned, you can't make personnel decisions without the input of your head coach. I mean, you, you have to be able to work together. And obviously, John Fox and Ryan Pace haven't been working together very well. So that 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 kind of adds to the, the signs that things could be on the way out. But at the same time, it's so hard to be confident in the Chicago Bears front office that they're going to be able to make the right decision at the head coaching position. Not, not that they're going to be able to find a new guy, but that they'll even fire John Fox. Because like you said, the injury excuse is there. You know, in, in a game like today, the weather excuse was there. And it just seems like there's always a reason, an excuse, in, you know, why, you know, they got the win today, but why generally this season winning hasn't happened. And it, they seem to value excuses over results. And, and that's what the Los Angeles Rams have done with Jeff Fisher giving him a contract extension. And it's that kind of NFL thinking that gets me worried about John Fox. Well, you have every right to be worried. I'm worried. You know, here is a place just last week. I feel like there's no pot to piss in for Brian Pace to manipulate a rehiring and a, and a and a a path with John Fox and a marriage next year. But those words today, you make a good point. I can't argue, and that's the unfortunate thing and the frustrating thing with this Chicago Bears franchise. Two two things here. If I'm the GM of the Chicago Bears, I am in charge of getting this team on the right track. If I see that the guy that I have driving the train is not capable of or is an old drunk, then it's important for me to get that guy out of the position that I've hired him in and and eat the mistake and move forward. It's also important to me to support the players that I believe are franchise go and win if that is a belief that jay cutler isn't the guy and you truly know that then and i know the business side well he can't really say that because maybe he wants to trade jay cutler ultimately all the rumors are out there all the indictments all the the polarizing narratives and all this stuff if you're going to trade and be able to trade martellus bennett you should be able to trade a talented passer. So just come out and do this franchise a service and say you're either supporting and moving forward with this guy until you find a capable replacement or we're th- we're, we're looking at a, a, a change and we are, are going to look to trade Jay Cutler and open up that because trying to be behind the curtain for too much is not done well with the Chicago Bears. It just looks like this failing franchise of stupidity and, and basically just lies. And when you you can't be upfront and and honest with your fan base and the media, the the little snickers and and and, and tweets and player disparity comes out and ultimately that truth will rise up. And I think that's the unfortunate thing, that your GM is talking to Jeff Joniak, of all people, with set-up narratives. Here's what we're going to talk about before we talk about it with you, Ryan. Is everything okay here? Like, 
just answer a goddamn football question. If, is your quarterback in the plan? Is the guy that's been here for eight years, eight years, yeah, do you have a plan? No, we don't have a plan. At least he was honest that one time, Lauren, the head coach. So I think that's the disappointing thing. Like you're hiding behind the veils of Jeff Joniak. You're not answering the questions. You were silent during the bye week. You've done a good job with talent on this roster. If you're feeling like you have to be secretive, I think that's the wrong way to go. And I think the fans deserve better than this. And the 17,000 no-shows today and, and the energy of the stadium and the feel of that game was like a karaoke country music concert out there. It was ridiculous. <laughs> And one of those fans that deserves better is one of our loyal listeners, uh, NFC Puba on Twitter. He is he is listening live from the Elkhart General Hospital after having spine surgery. So, oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah, I said anytime the Bears win is a good day, even if all those good vibes are being skewed by playing a terrible team. So, you know, it's e- it's easy to get pessimistic about this team. But at the same time, you know, we talk about it on the podcast, you never root for the Bears to lose. And they won today, and that's... It was actually a pretty good feeling being able to, you know, watch Matt Barkley look like a decent quarterback, watch Jordan Howard run all over the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, it's it's pretty easy for that good feeling to go away when Shane Marsaw comes on the show. Uh, Shane, <laughs> how, how are you going to handle this? Oh, I miss Jay Cutler. Phil Atosian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just – I tuned in late to you guys, but I really chalk up all this Ryan Pace stuff the same way I do with, with John, with John Fox guys, you know, he's, he's kind of remained silent and he hasn't thrown his support behind him. And I think, I don't know, to me, it's the, the writings on the wall. Cause he's done the same thing with his quarterback. Do you, do you kind of, you tend to think that's what he's doing? Yeah. I mean, he, he would have just as much, reason to come out and say John Fox will be here next year if right. if he was really confident that John Fox would be here next year. I mean, there's a reason why the only way that Pace is talking is these these scripted sort of, you know, don't ask yeah. me about John Fox unless there's something to actually ask me about John Fox because he's not going to because if he if he's asked about Fox and doesn't commit to him, then that's that's game over for your your coach's season. So obviously, he's never going to come out and talk about that whereas the quarterback position Especially with Jay, it's been so foggy this year that you can kind of beat around the bush and not give away too much of your strategy because that's sort of been the status quo for this season. But I totally agree that, I mean, if Ryan Pace was confident that his head coach was going to be back next year, he would have no reason to not come out and say he is going to going to be back next year. I mean, the same way that the St. Louis Rams, like I mentioned earlier, gave Jeff Fisher contract extension even after he couldn't find his red challenge flag in his pocket. Unbelievable. Today, so, I mean, <laughs> Right. You, yeah, you we think we have a bad in Chicago, guys. At least we're not Rams fans. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Um, That's the truth. No, it's. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys have been over. Did you see the, the day that they said with uh, Marquise Wilson? I meant Growing injury. I said it's, yeah, it's the story of this guy's career. You know, we talk about a guy like Corn Washington that's stepping up and finally stringing together some some games here and and Wilson is just snake bit but I mean I think he's still a guy you still see those little glimmers I don't think that there's any downside into offering a guy like that a one-year deal just to kind of come back because I still I still see that talent there in flashes and I, I 
you know, same type of deal with Corn Washington. I, I think you got to bring both of those guys back, even though the injury histories are pretty, pretty thick. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Even especially, you know, because they'll be so cheap because of the injury history. I mean, you look at a guy like Cornelius Washington, who, you know, rotational defensive end at best. I mean, as far as the perception about his career right now, because he hasn't been able to play well, yep. play consistent games. But you're right, he has been. You know, he's he's played in the last few. You know, since since the bye, since the game before the bye week, he's been playing pretty consistently through then and. You know, he's, he hasn't had any sacks since the Minnesota game, but he's been getting pressure. And, you know, his role has kind of increased and decreased as Mitch Unrines has changed and Jonathan Bullard has now changed. But he's he is starting to string it together, like you said. And maybe, maybe he's not quite ready to take over as the sole starter. And I think that other defensive end position opposite Akeem Hicks is going to be interesting to see how the Bears decide to handle that this offseason because you've got Bullard, but he's not playing that much and he, he wasn't really ready when the season started. You've got Cornelius Washington, who... You know, you're not sure if he can do a full season healthy the way kind of with Zach Miller in his past. And then you bring back Mitch Unrein and you kind of go with the same squad of three. I mean, obviously that's a that's a whole other point. But the same thing with Marquise Wilson where, you know, he'll be so cheap to just bring back on that one-year deal. There's no reason not to. And, you know, you can – if he gets hurt again, you throw him on IR and it doesn't affect your cap space. And then and you, in the meantime, yeah, you, you might have a players you might have a guy like Jonathan Allen staring you right in the face in the draft too. Yeah. I, yeah. What do you what do you think about that, Phil? About John Al- Josh Allen? Well, Jonathan, Jonathan. Allen. He said, "Oh, like, John a Allen, end position." Oh, do you go obviously. In with Fuller, Washington and Unrine? What well, the weird thing about today? And I got kind of got knocked off there. I'm sorry, so I didn't hear what Shane was saying. So if I'm repeating, just stop me. But the healthy scratch of Jonathan Bullard, it it, it kind of plays to this, you know choosy picky uh hold players accountable type stuff with john fox it's like josh bellamy basically cost you a football game last week could have been another win two wins in a row with matt barkley building on something positive down the drain with bellamy's drops no punishment for him we're gonna we're gonna start him again we're gonna make him the focal point of our passing offense and you saw you know some signs of stupidity on that and again well you're playing a terrible football team so the punishment of a bullard to me is kind of a step back because here's a third round pick that has shown flashes this year and this is the time where you're trying to develop that young talent and and teach them through their play and their effort on the football field now if there's an injury that's a whole other case but Every to every account, you know, this kid was a healthy scratch. And to me, that leads me into looking at this depth chart as you guys are and Mitch Unrein's out there for what reason? I have no idea. And this kid could have been out there. I love what I'm seeing from Corn Wash at the five. So if you get an opportunity to get a game changer like this kid from Alabama is I just don't know how you would pass that up, especially he's a top top five talent. Well, and you saw with the defensive ends today, uh, it seemed to me like Vic Fangio was much more willing to move them around and, and bring them closer to the interior. I mean, we saw a lot of one technique from uh, 
uh, Akeem Hicks and, and some three from Cornelius Washington for a while there. Uh, I mean, obviously the Bears play a lot of their nickel look anyway, so they'll they'll do some movement around there, but a, a lot less pure five technique. And, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe my my basis is off here compared to pre- recent weeks, but I, it seemed to me like there was a lot more movement on them. No, I thought there was, and I thought they used the players well. I don't want to sound like I'm being negative or distorted towards that. I just thought it was another ball drop by them in the fact that how is Bullard not a part of the rotation? I just well, and, don't get that. Well, and and we're gonna we're gonna experiment here and go with an, another caller on the line along with Shane. Uh, caller, what's your name and, and where are you calling from? What do you want to talk about? Oh, it's it's Joe from Scranton. Oh boy, Joe! Yeah. Wow, we got Shane on the line talking about Christmas vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Rusty still in made... the news? Not even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's Joe's been drinking a bottle of scotch through the second half. Celebratory, dude. I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, not going to call him and, and be be sour. Um, I I just I thoroughly enjoyed just seeing the snow and watching Jordan Howard pound the rock. Mm-hmm. I, it. it, it to me, I mean, watching Jordan Howard run the ball, Soldier Field, snow flying around, that was Bears football. You know, uh, I, I just, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I thought Barkley did good. I'm not going to get all, you know, all ants in my pants over him. But, uh, you know, I thought, I thought he did good for, especially against a shit team like the Niners. Uh, but, I, I think uh, if, if he does, if he continues, if he continues to play well, yeah, hey, well, the more competition, the better, you know, for that backup role. Because I hope Jay's back next year. Well, there seems to be a parting of the seas when it comes to Jay Cutler, yeah, and uh, the quarterback position. But there's no denying, Shane, you have every game since 1997 on digital recording. We've gone down this path. Me and you just naming players from the past. But in positions like this where the season's done for, we've seen quarterbacks come in and they just crawl up into a little ball and they get destroyed out there. And it just piles on an embarrassing embarrassment. I thought Matt Barkley, because I know you didn't hear me to begin the show, did what others haven't. He stepped up I agree. to the plate and drop dimes all over the place in a shitty weather football game with terrible wide receivers. And that's another Mm -hmm. shot at this coaching staff because how you bring Daniel Braverman up and you're playing Cam Meredith, who's clearly a a flanker or a split end and an outside receiver with talent and athleticism, and you bring him and play him in the slot where he's clearly not quick twitchy and he's not getting open – and granted, when there was time, he was able to gather and get open. But you're not gaining anything there with Josh Bellamy and Deontay fucking Thompson. Part of my language. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? It's disgusting. It's fireable well, you know, it, in my mind. It's really a good point that you bring up, Phil, with Barkley, because I see a lot of people, you know, I think they, they're, it, it's the same type of deal. They're so starved for a quarterback. And, I mean, if you want to stay with the uh, – 
Christmas vacation references, you know, the Bears quarterback history, you just say, you know, shitter's full, but in, <laughs> but you know, with Matt Barkley, he, he's he hasn't been fantastic, but he hasn't been Jonathan Quinn or Craig Krenzel or Moses Marino, and I, I, I said Hutchinson. Yeah, I mean, holy, yeah, we, we we could stay here all day naming off guys, but yeah, I I think he is a, a priority guy that you have to bring back and just let him battle it out and and see where it goes. I don't think you can hand him the the keys to anything, but I think it's a kid. You know, he's somebody brought up on Twitter that he's never had his legit shot, and I'm not saying you make him the starter, but you just bring mm-hmm. him back, and I I think you're a better team with Matt Barkley. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than rolling the dice on a bunch of other guys, and and it, you know it's a it's a testament to his to his work ethic, and because he hasn't really been here all that long, and was on the practice squad, and has really stepped up to the plate. But like you said, Phil, I, geez, Curtis Johnson, he's got to be on the on the front and center of the firing line. I don't understand these wide receivers. They're they're almost le- every one of them are almost leaving their feet every time every they go to time. catch a football, and it's it's completely unacceptable. Deontay Thompson would have had that that toe tap one on the sideline today, mm-hmm. but he I mean he jumped up and he had no reason to leave his feet. You saw it a couple of times with Josh Bellamy. If you run through the ball, that one was a touchdown on third down. He was yeah, we still t- been running. Yeah. We, we talked about the two of them, Shane. It was what I brought up in the opener. The deep ball at this 11-yard line decides <laughs> yeah. to dive. I mean, yep. you just run through that and walk into the end zone. Not only does that make your quarterback more yep. confident, it makes your whole team understand that this is the NFL. This guy's diving. That looks great on uh, – Jason Lockham for his eyes, but not mine. <laughs> Jesus hey, don't Christ. pick on Lockham for that's my that's my dude. Yeah, I mean, what are we pick doing, on Jeff? Phil, that's your whipping boy. <laughs> oh, Jeff Dickerson and David Hawk and get tied off into a raft and thrown out into the Lake Michigan for all we care. Jesus, but you know, you, I guess you do have to give Mister uh, Dowell. Log in some some credit. The one play that they did get Braverman involved, he put him in a one on one blocking situation against Ahmad Brooks. <laughs> that was awesome. I thought that I thought we brought him up because he was his specialty was blocking. Yeah, I mean, with yeah. that size, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, he's, yeah. just, he's huge. It was so funny because he's there, he's turning around, and he's like he's blocking Brooks with his ass, you know, and he's doing everything <laughs> he possibly can to block Brooks. I mean, it showed me. It showed me he didn't lay down. No matter how big Brooks, how, how much bigger Brooks was than him, he did everything he could to block Brooks. Which that shows me he's got fight in him. You know. Um, yeah, that's the story of the kid's career. He's a fighter. He's not a guy that you're gonna yep. have to worry about his work ethic. He's gonna be but a scrapper. God and... damn. <laughs> why not just? I mean, why not just put a tight end there? I mean, Brooks. Brooks could have probably, if he got a head start, had easily blown Braverman up, risk injury. And, and and you know wind up wind up hitting Barkley. Well, here's the problem: and you have a perfect, why the play, perfect opportunity, not on that play, but throughout this whole game, to put yep. him in in third down situations and see what he is. But they uh-huh. refuse to do that, 
And that's Johnson and Loggins. These two clowns are the reason you're in a, a shitty division in last place and the worst team in the division. I'm sorry. There's plenty of talent I see out here on this football field. Had you, I think Adam Hogue put the greatest tweet out there today besides AC down there in Alabama, or is it Mississippi? I'm sorry, AC. (laughs) Alabama. Uh, Her tweet about Bellamy coming back on the social media after his one catch (laughs) was great. But the reality of Jordan Howard, us winning every game that this kid has had 20 carries or more, is a showcase of any kind of reality that this coaching staff studies their own selves and understands the importance that we've talked about since August, Shane and Lauren, that Jordan Howard is the offense and it should go through him. Unfortunately, you never got it and you completely dropped and held that kid accountable when others were not. Well, and you talked about Daniel Braverman in, in third down situations. I was just looking at his snaps. He played five. Uh, none of them were third downs. Uh, didn't see the field until 12.20 on the clock in the third quarter. He got three third quarter snaps and then didn't see the field in the fourth quarter until three minutes and 55 seconds left on the clock. So uh, not – I mean, obviously the number itself is not acceptable, but the, the use – I mean, it was like one play a drive for like three drives, and then he got two in the fourth quarter on the same drive. And he was even on the field for a second down. Ooh, I mean, they're really, they're really getting a good taste of what he can do. See, you know, you, you, look, at, you look at that and there's been – Phil, I know you know there's been some talk that Ryan Pace has obviously been a big fan of Braverman and, and talking to the kid all the time and just telling him to buy this time and keep working hard and stuff like that. I said, you wonder if some of this doesn't allude to that disconnect between Ryan Pace and John Fox. You know, if Ryan Pace is in Fox's ear the whole time, you know, telling him to, you know, asking him to bring up Braverman. And then finally, after last week's wide receiver debacle, he brings up a kid like Braverman and Fox trots him out there, like you said, Lauren, for five snaps. You kind of wonder if that's not something, you know, a little spite in the face of Ryan Pace to say, you know, maybe here's your, here's your boy. And don't forget, I'm still the head coach and I'm going to control the snaps. And, and there you go. I mean, I know that sounds like a pretty big conspiracy theory, but I don't think it's anything that we can discount at this point. Well, you got to get Paul Seeker his 12 snaps. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that happens a lot more than you think. Yeah. And there's some real conspiracy to it. I just don't know how. Or why, I mean, it's not just me. It looked very clear that Josh Bellamy was going to be the focal point of your passing offense. And let's be honest, guys. The guy is a jump ball catcher in the worst kind of way. He's a journeyman special teamer. He's a guy that you're... He's a guy that any good team is trying to replace and upgrade every single year. And here the Bears were leading into this game at 2-9. and nine. And since he had a handful of drops last week or whatever he ended with, they're trying to build up the kid's confidence. It's just, I mean, it's, I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to that. And it goes back to that sort of like selective punishment slash reward system that John Fox does. I mean, 
I don't know why they feel like Josh Bellamy is the one that you know deserves the. They just kind of decide this week that okay, Josh, we like you, so we're gonna give you the opportunity. And I mean, obviously, before that we knew about the Marquise Wilson injury, I would have said that Marquise Wilson got the raw end of the deal. But even a Daniel Braverman gets the raw end of the deal. It's not let's put Braverman in position to be successful. This young kid that we don't know anything about. It's let's put in let's put Bellamy in that position because we know exactly what he is and what he isn't. So let's just do that more. And I mean, same thing on the defensive side of the ball. We talked, you know, Harold Jones, Corte, and all of those guys. Even Nick Kwiatkowski for a while there in the season before the injuries happened ahead of him. It's just like it makes no sense. And as a general manager, I don't know how you can sit by and tolerate that, and, and let alone have the opportunity to fire your coach and decide not to to bring him back next year. I mean, it just seems unfathomable at this point. But nothing that the Bears do surprises me anymore. So I'm not. Getting my, I'm just trying not to get my hopes up though about John Fox being gone, even though it, all signs point to it should be happening. One thing I want to add in here before you know we just completely crush. How about Nick Kwiatkowski is a goddamn football player to see him, you. to see his striking short area striking ability on tape is one thing, but watching it live in the snow today, he is. Take it on people, guards, tackle things that you don't see. But then he's batting down passes. He has the wherewithal to understand he's going to try to throw that behind me. He bats that one down. It's just all over the football field. And I know Shane, that number forty-four just looks pretty out there playing oh, yeah. linebacker. I mean, you got to love a kid that hits people so hard. He starts breaking decals off of his helmet. Yeah. He, he almost lost <laughs> yeah. both of them today. I, I'll tell you, I, I mean. I, I love the kid coming out of West Virginia. I mean, watching him, watching him in college, he played great ball there. But I kind of had a feeling um, the game against Dallas when he pancaked Lael Collins, he just sat Lael Collins right on his ass. Injured him. Yeah, I knew right there he's going to be he's going to be something special if he keeps if, if he keeps it up. And I, I think with his work ethic and everything, he's, he's going to be—he's going to be one of the next. I'm going to say it, he's going to be one. Of, I think he's going to be one of the next great middle linebackers in Chicago. And he's got a good last yeah. name for it too. Yeah, especially in Chicago. But you look at a guy like Kwiatkowski who got injured there and missed essentially all of training camp. He was able to make it back for Game Four versus Cleveland in the preseason. Mm-hmm. If you, I know, were a bunch of de- degenerates and we would have, you know, all that access to go back and rewatch a fourth preseason game. But if you do do that, just focus on Nick, just focus on Kwiatkowski because he is, he was blowing people up in that Cleveland game in the fourth preseason game. Oh yeah. He, uh, you know, he, that was, he didn't, I don't even know if he had one or two practices before that he came in. So it's, it is, it's a real testament to this kid. Well, the other thing we got to talk about here is Leonard Floyd, because me and Lauren were completely hard on the kid coming out of college. I know Shane has given me grief as well. I don't as think you're hard on him. You're definitely soft. Hey. Dos pesos as well, giving me grief about it. But I'm the first guy to say when I'm wrong. And there is a kid. That's a building block piece going forward. So you got Kwiatkowski, you got Eddie Goldman, who, by the way, did every bit of the dirty work today and then some. He's, he's, he's the linchpin of the entire defense. Yeah, 
Eddie Goldman is. He's the most important piece to the entire Vic Fangio defense. You, you yep. absolutely take the words out of my mouth. The kid is a phenomenal nose guard. I mean, everything yep. you could want in a he's got, and he is is only getting better. So to to look at this building of a football team, you got to ask yourself the question, and one with which we're all going to say and. Before I go on to that, I got to give props to Leonard Floyd. I counted two sacks. Gratefully, the statistician did the sack because I want to be wrong about this kid. And uh, then his sack for the safety was just a dynamic showcase of short area, quick twitchiness where he goes, fakes outside, comes underneath, and chases him down and throws him down with authority in the end zone. It was it's a beautiful thing to put a, a cap on a, a game. And I can't say enough about how excited I am about his future with the Bears as long as he continues to stay healthy. That's the one area with which, you know, obviously every football player has to stay healthy. But the great ones, they really need to. And he really does remind me, Shane, of, of uh, Hugh. Out in Kansas City, oh, he really yeah. has that similar. Yeah. yeah, he really does remind me of that. Uh, he has a nose of the dip. He almost got. A, he almost had two other sacks. There was one where he missed the sack. He kind of got out of his his uh, feet yep. because of the Soldier Field slip count. And the other yeah, one, he I, got held like a freaking rag doll. I don't know how it wasn't called. And the guy threw him down to the ground from behind. And he was going to come there and sack Gabbert. But no questioning, that's a positive thing moving forward on this defense. Yeah, you know, as and with, we've only got about 10 minutes left in the show. So, uh, uh, Joe, I'm, I might let you go here, and, and we'll see if anybody else All wants right. to get in on the last, the last sure. uh, segment of the show. But th- right, thanks Joey. again, as always, Joe. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. All right, guys. Talk to you later. See you, Joe. And you know, so as one of as one of the people that also was not a big fan of Leonard Floyd coming out, the, the main thing I, I've never I have yet to see a player like him who you know doesn't show pass rush move you know multiple pass rush moves doesn't show the ability to convert speed to power and doesn't show the ability to really maximize that length and use that to his advantage. He he didn't show that at Georgia, and yet. He's come out as a rookie and shown all of those things. We've seen just incredible technical growth from this player. That mm-hmm. I just, you know, you look at like we compare him to a guy like Deion Jordan, who showed a lot of similar things in college. But Jordan was a guy who, I mean, he had some off the field issues that certainly didn't help. But he, he, you don't see fast, thin pass rushers grow in that same way. And and we really have seen Leonard Floyd. And I, I have to give a ton of credit to Clint Hurt for the way that he's been able to develop Absolutely. this outside linebacker because it's really a, a type of development that. I haven't seen from outside linebackers, and, and it certainly is proving me wrong. And we are getting low on time here, but we are going to bring in one last caller. Uh, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, it's Sandy Tom from Scotland. Oh, there wow. he is. There he is. It's a little bit like Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> I'm only calling because so I don't want to get bullied on Twitter. <laughs> You're only here so you don't get fined? Exactly. <laughs> Look at this guy calling in. So what's up, Sandy? Of 
Matt Barkley today? Yeah, no, yeah, I like Matt Barkley. Uh, I think that uh, what you guys haven't mentioned is, is how brave he was in the game today. He had a lot of pressure coming in his face and still still made some good throws. No, I, I agree with you. I, I saw some NFL traits. Even that one last third down where he hit uh, Jose Cotto's favorite tight end, Daniel Brown, on that little <laughs> short third down reception. You yeah. saw a guy coming free in his face. He stood in there, delivered a nice ball, an anticipatory throw, and that's what you want to see from this football player. And and that's why I said to Shane, who's been in this with me for a long time, we see these backups come in, Sandy, and they just fall victim to the display of the whole functioning body of the team where Matt Barkley kind of set the stage for himself to say, you know what? I'm going to step up and step into these throws and deliver, and, and he did today. Well, yeah. Today with the weather and, and obviously the quality of the team we're playing against, it would have been so easy for, for the guys to to drop down to that kind of level. It could have, could have easily been a, a six-all game by, by the end of it, but uh, I was just really happy that we actually stepped up and, and took them out. And it, it really kind of felt like it was headed that direction, especially after the special mm-hmm. teams plays in the first half. I mean, between the block punt and then right after the Deontay Thompson fumble, it's like, oh, well, we all know where this game's going. And I think the Bears do deserve some credit. And maybe maybe it's more the 49ers collapsing than the Bears overcoming anything. But, you know, they kind of just stop shooting themselves in the foot while the 49ers continue to get penalty after penalty and make mistake after mistake. But, you know, at yeah. least there's the Bears showed that they aren't the worst team in the NFL. I know it feels like sometimes the, they might be the worst team in the NFL. Clearly, they're, they're baby probably steps, at least Baby steps, Baby steps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for Dowell Loggins, that's that's a lot of distance he's got to cover. Yeah. <laughs> that's very well done, Lauren. Very well done. You know, not to go backwards, Lauren, I'm really glad you brought up Clint Hurd because I, I really think that he is one of the bright spots on the entire coaching staff, and I think that tends to get overlooked in such a, a dismal season. I tweeted out, I guess it was probably about a month ago, I said I'm going to be really interested to see if Chicago does clean these coaches out, what they have in store for a guy like Clint Hurd because he was, you know, Adam Gase tried to get him down into Miami and, and John Fox and the Bears blocked that move, but I think he's somebody that's got to be pretty high up on the um, list of coaches to get to you know to be brought back if 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 they do move on, and maybe even if they move on from a guy like like Vic Fangio and totally clean everybody out. I think you got to look at a guy like Clint Hurt to get a to get a big promotion like that. Yeah, he's one of the bright spots. I'll let Lauren talk a little bit about it, but I I agree with Lauren, and I just want to say this real quick because uh, Sandy is calling over from Scotland, correct, Sandy? That's right, yeah. So you look at this, and the NFL is far removed from people from the high school level, but it all starts there, and coaching in the NFL is about technique and, and holding players accountable to that technique, you can make guys and every one of these football players that we crucify weekly have immense talent to be playing on this level. Let's get that correct. The reality is the coaches have to whittle it out of them 
and make them better at holding their technique and using it to their benefit and putting them in positions to be successful. I think you cannot deny that Leonard Floyd is being coached up very well because I I have to agree 100% with Lauren that the tape in college of this football player to what he's doing now Everything you described was spot on, Lauren, and and that's a testament to what Shane said a month ago, that Clint Hurt is somebody developing himself and his resume on a staff that I feel as though is full of of baloney, so to speak, with this stuff. <laughs> well, and we we're under four minutes left in the show, so Sandy and Shane, I th- I think we'll let you both go and wrap up here, so we're not cutting it too close at the end like we usually do. So, uh, Sandy. Thanks a ton for, for reaching out for the first time. I know it's it's late over there. It's probably like, what, 1030 or so now. So uh, really glad you're able to join us. So love the accent. You shouldn't be worried about that in the future. Uh, definitely definitely feel free to call in and again soon. Yeah, Sandy, I've, fo- I've followed you back on Twitter for a long time. It's great to finally put a little voice to the Twitter account. I know Jose Cotto met you in the Meadowlands spoke very highly of you and i appreciate our interaction on twitter good man sir have a great night love all your work guys speak to you later <laughs> see you fellas yeah. all right shane you're you're a good guy too yeah you're okay no, I, guess. Thanks. I don't know <laughs> I, I try my, i try i try my best try try an accent next time shane we might bring your brooklyn accent shane come on stay no, 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 no. come on I live with the Czech girl, boys. I got to go full Czech ne- next time. Just, I might have said that too loud. She might have heard me. I'm going to get in trouble. All right. <laughs> All right, Shane. Great talking to you. Now, we're, we're, we are really down to just, just two minutes left here. So, I mean, just a quick peek ahead next week. Oh, man. Who are the Chicago Bears playing next week? The Detroit Lions or is it the Green Bay Packers? Lauren, you are the schedule guy. I, I know. Just take I, know it one. I know. I know. I'm. I'm one I game you might at a time. I'm pulling it up right now. It one is the game Detroit Lions in Detroit. So, uh, All right, so here is a Matt Barkley test. We saw a Tennessee game. It was at home. We saw a, a San Fran, probably the worst team in the NFL. I think they are worse than the Browns, by the way. I do too. Um, at home again in the snow. Now we're testing Dal Loggins, uh, Coach Johnson, and Matt Barkley. That's the test this week, Lauren. This is a game that's must-watch TV if you're looking at the future of the Chicago Bears. What is, Matt Bar- what is Matt Barkley going to do on the road in a loud stadium with a team that's not used to winning and is first in the division with a Packer team steadily climbing up their back? That... Right there is pressure cooker situation for your career. That's where I find out a lot more about Matt Barkley. Well, and, you know, you talk about testing Curtis Johnson and Dowell Loggins and Matt Barkley. Uh, one of those three people has passed a test so far, and two of them have not. So that's probably going to be the tone <laughs> for next week against Detroit. Um, join Phil, Phil and I next Thursday at 7.30 p.m. as we'll preview that Detroit Lions game live on Bears Hour Live. Um, thanks everyone for listening and joining us tonight I guess this afternoon uh, this has been Bears Hour Live celebrating a win for the first time in a while thanks for listening